All right. There's only two days left in 2019, and we are winding down and headed toward 2020. My mom didn't lie when she told me that as years go along, that time moves faster as you get older. I'm a firm believer in that now. I think it's been some kind of year for us, right? Lots of changes, lots of new things, different opportunities for some of us. Uh, It certainly has been a trying year for some of us as well. But as we finish up somewhere in the past few days after Christmas, most of us have begun to take down the Christmas tree, take down the lights, the decorations, starting to get ready for the new year, that magical 2020 and all the fun that that's going to bring. This week for me, maybe like you, it may have meant a few days off from work. It meant time with family or trying to figure out how to pay for the Christmas debt you just got. Or maybe for your family, it means a trip north to ski, a trip to the store to return those Christmas gifts that weren't just quite right. I think for a lot of us, it may also mean New Year's resolutions. Good luck on those. For me, I'm thinking of these future plans that we're making. Maybe it's a plan to diet. Good luck. Maybe to get out of debt. Good luck. Uh, Maybe starting a new job or gearing up for that next adventure. But my question for you today is this. Is God in your future plans? Today's message focuses on the new year and getting a fresh start. And you may, like millions of Americans, have the holiday blues. This week, with Christmas, unfortunately, it has a way of draining us. We have the parties, the shopping, the church events, the visits with family, and the tension that many of us feel at this time of the year. We have families who have lost loved ones during this year or during this season, and that grief is fresh or renewed during this season. There are others for whom family times were just toxic growing up. And the joy of Christmas just isn't there. The new year, however, has a way of energizing us. New prospects, new dreams, new plans. It's also exciting. And do you understand how crazy that sounds? Consider how backwards that really is where the birth of Christ is stressful and the new year brings joy. Christian author C.S. Lewis once wrote, the central Christian belief is that Christ's death has somehow put us right with God and given us a fresh start. So in other words, Christmas should ignite our souls with a passion for God. And the new year invites us to think of new steps new hopes and plans, including getting a fresh start in Christ. The Apostle Paul, in his letter to the Colossians, speaks of the son of his love. The son of his love. Meaning that Christ is his love, and the power offers us salvation and equips us with the Holy Spirit. Paul writes about the church and how it all starts with God. In Colossians 1, 13 through 18, he says this. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. 
Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, he writes, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. The pitcher, when he's winding up as the empire yells, play ball. The starting line as they get ready for that foot race. The pencil lead of a sharpened number two pencil at the start of a big test where you're filling in circles. What about a block of clay for a sculptor? The, black, the blank canvas for a painter. Each of them serve as a starting point. And in much the same way, Jesus serves as our starting point as a Christ follower for the church and for our prospects in the new year. Paul begins with a foundational theological concept. He says that Christ is the visible image of the invisible God and that he existed before anything was created. He acknowledges God as the creator of all things, the maker of heaven and earth. Here's the question, do we? Guys, watch a sunset in its hues of orange in the early dew of a sun-kissed morning. God created that. Watch a bird in flight catching the current of the winds aloft. God created those. Watch a deer jumping a fence in grace and power. God created it. Observe from a ship's deck some dolphins as they glide and leap, arching and angling back and in and out of the water. God did that. Watch an ant as it stores food for the winter. God did that. Watch a snowflake tumble effortlessly from the sky on a winter's day. God created all of those individually, each one new. Touch a baby's hands that are soft and gentle baby or teenager or adult, God created each person and placed value on them as persons under the watchful eye of the son of his love. Colossians 1, 13 through 17 gives us three key thoughts about God's creative work in our lives. The first one is that God has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and introduced us to the son of the son who loves us, and that we should be thankful for. God has also, number two, God has also provided a way in Christ so that we can be transferred into God's kingdom, a kingdom that is more than earthly realms and dominions, more than authoritative powers. It is a kingdom of life, transformation, joy, forgiveness, and God's ongoing creative work. And three, God created us to serve him, to live for him, and to share him with others. So the new year reminds us that creation starts with God 
And God desires to give us a fresh start. This letter to the Colossian church reminds us that everything, every living thing starts with God and that all things are held together by God. What Paul means is that if we follow Jesus with all of our heart, our life will find Christ at the center. I think dependence on Christ involves him holding our life together and giving our life purpose. So let me ask you this. Does your life, as you face the new year, have purpose in God? What does your life start with? Let's talk about what it means to live life in God's purpose. I think there are four major elements that I want to share with you this morning. The first element of our life in God is peace. Paul mentions peace at the outset of his letter to the Colossian church where he says, may God our Father give you grace and peace. And then in Romans 5.1, he tells us that we have a peace and access to God through Jesus Christ. This peace that Paul is referring to is more than politicians sitting at a table discussing a truce. It's a peace that is more than a protest against war. It's more than a symbol on a tie-dyed t-shirt. No, this peace is a personal, revolutionary, life-changing peace that is beyond all of our human understanding. And Jesus is the one who gives us this peace. So real peace starts with God. The second element of our life in God is deliverance. The stories that we know of deliverance in Scripture start with Moses being delivered, delivering the, the Israelites out of, out of bondage in Egypt. But Paul mentions deliverance in Colossians 1.13. He says, For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. One day some time ago, the evening news showed a story of a rescue. A roaring rapid river had turned over a small raft in which two people were riding. They were tossed out of the raft into the river, holding onto a limb for dear life. But miraculously, they were rescued by a team that threw them a lifeline and pulled them to safety. I think in much the same way Christ has rescued us through the cross. He's rescued us from sin and from darkness. He's thrown us a lifeline and he offers us deliverance. Deliverance starts with God. The third element of our life in God is forgiveness. Paul clearly praised God's creative work uh, as a work of forgiveness of sins. Paul talks about Christ purchasing our freedom and forgiving our sins. Think about it. Where would we be without the forgiveness of sins through Christ's shed blood? In my own life, this is one that I have struggled with the most. After my parents divorced at the age of 12, I held a lot of animosity against my dad because I blamed him for what had happened to our family. And it wasn't until I really understood the price that Christ paid for this sinner that I recognized that I needed to forgive my dad for what he had done. 
And what I can tell you is through that forgiveness that Christ offered me, I was able to forgive my dad. And today we have a wonderful relationship. And I am forever thankful that Christ gave me that. Where would we be without Christ's forgiveness motivating us to forgive others? Maybe you remember the tragic death of Botham Jean that happened in Texas where a female officer accidentally killed him. Chance of no justice, no peace drifted from the hallway into the 204th District Court. And then Botham Jean's 18-year-old brother stepped up to the witness stand And this was Brant's chance to tell Amber Geiger exactly what he thought of the former Dallas police officer after she was sentenced to 10 years in prison for murdering his brother last year when she mistook his apartment for hers. The judge said there were only two rules for his victim impact statement, no threats and no profanity. But what came out of his words was a stunt, what came out next was a stunning moment that played out as many had left the and, and the world watched online. Even courthouse veterans wept at something they'd never seen before. Brant took a deep breath into the microphone and began to speak. He told his, he told his family, he had not told his family what he had planned to say. He told Amber he spoke for himself and not them. He said this, if you are truly sorry, I know I can speak for myself, but I forgive you. The prosecution had asked for 28 years, and that was the age that, that his brother would have been, would have been had shot him that last September when she was actually off duty but still in her police uniform. Instead, what Brandt told Geiger was that he wanted what both of them would have wanted. He said, I think giving your life to Christ would be the best thing that both of them would want for you. He told her, I love you as a person and I don't wish anything bad on you. He even went as far as to tell Geiger that he didn't even want her to go to prison. Then he did something that was unbelievable. He asked the judge, can I give her a hug, please? And they did it. In front of God, the judge, the bailiff, and everyone left in that courtroom. And what was said between them at that time, only they and God know. But what I can tell you is that there was forgiveness that day. Friends, forgiveness heals. And forgiveness starts with God. The fourth element of our life in God is reconciliation. Paul mentions it in Colossians 1, 20 and 21. That word, reconciliation. Christ reconciles people to God and to each other. He makes enemies his friends. He takes that which is broken and puts it back together. He takes that which is severed and ties it back together by bonding it to himself. Eric Remark's book, All's Quiet on the Western Front, tells of a remarkable encounter between two enemy soldiers during the Second World War. During battle, a German soldier took shelter in a crater made by artillery shells. Looking around, he saw a man wounded. It was an enemy soldier. He was dying. The German soldiers to him. He gave him water from his canteen, listened as the dying man spoke of his wife and children. 
And the German helped him to find his wallet and take out a picture of his family to look at one last time. In that encounter, these two ceased to be enemies. The German had seen the wounded soldier in a new way, not as an enemy combatant, but as a father, a husband, someone who loves and is loved, someone that was just like him. I believe that reconciliation starts with God. Paul's heart is threefold here. He has a heart for God, he has a heart for people, and he has a heart for the church. All through his writings, Paul affirms that Christ is the head of the body, the head of the church, and he desires supremacy. So in this new year, think about this church. Think of all of our plans, all of our programs, all of the ministries, the madness of schedule. Think about our celebrations, our worship, our education. Think about our life groups. And any time, if we think about the church, we are bound to think of somebody or something that annoys us. Maybe it's the music, maybe it's the staff, maybe it's the campaign, maybe it's the many requests to serve or get involved in the outreach programs that seem to be stacked on top, on top, on top, on top of each other. There will always be something. But before you let that all get to you, I encourage you to stop to consider three things. Number one, this is Christ's church. This is not yours, it's not mine, it's not Rod's. This is Christ's church. Two, God is calling people like us to serve him through his church. Calling people like us to serve him through this church. And three, Christ is to be supreme or first in everything as Paul told us in Colossians 1.18. From the perspective of our staff in this congregation, Christ is supreme in all things. He is supreme in every part of this church, but is Christ supreme in our lives? Does he have first place in our worship? What about our attitude? What about our service? Is he first This past year has had all kinds of challenges for people in our congregation. We have, we've had disasters, we've had diseases, we've had treatment of diseases, we've had surgeries, we've had job layoffs, various crises in our families' lives. And who knows what this next year holds? But one thing is important for all of us to trust in Christ and to serve him as the one who loves us and hold all our lives together. I think that is one of the most fundamental things that we can remember is that he holds all our lives together. I'll tell you this today, if you're weary and worn out from Christmas or you're worried about the new year to come, you're wary of people, of who you can trust and who you can't trust. If you're feeling overworked or your attitude is just rotten and you're in despair, 
you have a new year ahead. So let Christ give you a fresh start. Creation starts with God. And we praise him and thank him for it every day. Your life starts with God. When's the last time you asked him to guide it for you? This church starts with God. We serve him and trust him to bless it, and he continues to do just that. Everything we do starts with God, including this new year that's ahead of us. So the question is, what are you going to do with it? Will you give it to God and allow for him to lead? I think if you do that, friends, you're going to come out with 2020 vision. And that won't be a bad thing as we're moving into 2020. Let's start it out right. Serving, serving him, loving him, and serving others. Let's pray. God, we thank you for being first in everything. For creating what we have, for leading us and guiding us through the life we live. And Lord, as we focus in on what's next for us in 2020, as we start looking ahead at those plans, we would hope that we could find a way to include you in them. For in you, we can find everything that we need. Help us to be those people, Jesus. We love you so much, and thank you for what you did. Spirit, guide us, take us where we need to go. Stay here as we continue in worship, and we do love you. We say all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.